You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing a song from a grateful heart. Sing and never forget all the good he has done. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He reaches deep into the pit to deliver you from death. He crowns you with unfailing love and compassion like a king. When your soul is famished and withering, he fills you with good and beautiful things. Satisfying you as long as you live. He makes you strong like an eagle. Restoring your youth. talks about all the benefits that God does for us in life. The benefits of uh, redeeming our life from the pit. You ever been in the pit? Uh, the healing of our diseases. It all starts, though, with the forgiveness of sins. The creed that we just uh, affirm this morning makes the statements of these are the essential beliefs, the core beliefs of the Christian faith given to us historically down through the centuries. And did you notice that one of the things that made the creed was the forgiveness of sins? The forgiveness of sins. If we believe that, if we experience that, if we know that, we are a people that are free. Now, in this series on forgiveness, we've been looking at the different ways of movements of of the forgiveness that we experience, the forgiveness that we receive and the forgiveness that we offer others. And so we started by talking about why forgiveness And then the second message was steps toward forgiveness. And if you have not seen that message or heard it, go to our website or pick up a CD. If you're someone that is struggling and moving toward forgiving someone else, the third week was about seeking forgiveness when the shoe is on the other foot, how that we need to go and ask for forgiveness at times or to seek reconciliation, or to clear up the air. And not just that, but how that we as a church community can be such a healing place where forgiveness and reconciliation is the air that we breathe. And today, we wind the series up by returning to our focus on God and God's actions that God has taken on our behalf in Jesus Christ. And how that through God, we can experience full forgiveness. So today, whether you are someone that is struggling in an unforgiving spirit towards someone else, or whether you are someone that struggles with you just can't, let it go in terms of what you have done, that you can't seem to be released and really truly receive the forgiveness of God. This message is for you. 
Let's begin with the words of Jesus. It's interesting that when Jesus begins his ministry in Nazareth, his public ministry, he comes to his synagogue where he's grown up. And he uses these words from Isaiah, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, those words can be taken in the sense of, certainly a sense of social justice, but also in the sense of we being the captive to the unforgiving spirit, we being held in our own prison because of what we are holding in our hearts. And so today's message, we're going to talk about how Jesus, how God takes the initiative in restoring us, in bringing us back into full relationship and love and fellowship with Him and others. And we're going to look at this in terms of a biblical character, and then we're going to look at it in terms of the ways in which that can happen in our life as well. So begin with uh, Simon Peter. We're going to talk about Peter this morning. Now, I, I love Peter. If you know the character, you, you know that he was one of the, of the group of 12. He was, in fact, the primary leader of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, and they hung out together for three years, okay? He was a fisherman by profession, impetuous by nature, he was the guy that was willing to get out of the boat. I love that about Peter. Literally and figuratively, he was willing to venture out and do something, try something different, follow Jesus, even if it meant walking on water. He was a member of the inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. But he also denied that he ever knew Jesus. After all that, the night that Jesus is arrested, betrayed, and he's warming himself by the fire, he's asked the question, not once, not twice, but three times, do you know him? Yes, you're one of those followers. He denies ever knowing him. And so Peter is someone that is ravaged with this sense of guilt of what he has done in his cowardice in denying Jesus. It's unbearable for him. And he leaves that scene weeping bitterly, okay? Maybe you can identify with a time in your life where you felt such remorse about your action or your inaction, from one degree or another, we've all disappointed ourselves at times. How do we move forward and accept forgiveness? Well, this is what Jesus does for Simon Peter. So, in one of the resurrection appearances, in John 21, Simon Peter says to seven or eight of the brothers, let's go fishing. 
you know, if you don't know what else to do in life, just go fishing, uh, go golfing, go do something to clear your mind. So Peter says, let's go fishing. And they go fishing. And while they're fishing, they fished all night. They haven't caught a thing. There's a voice, a familiar voice, calling out to them from the shore that says, Have you caught any? No. Well, then put your net over on the other side of the boat. And they do it, and they catch 153 fish, to be exact. Anybody top that story? And John pokes Peter in the ribs. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. Peter recognizing it. It's kind of Jesus is teasing Peter because three years before, Peter had fished all night and caught nothing, and Jesus had said the same thing to him three years before. Put your net on the other side of the boat, and they pulled in all this fish. So it's just kind of like Jesus going, ha, 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 got you again. And Peter, when he knows it's the Lord, he jumps in the water. He can't wait swims to shore, and when he gets to shore, he finds that breakfast is served. Around a coal of fire, Jesus has the fish ready and the bread. Now, I have had breakfast one time in my life on the Sea of Galilee, and it was very, very good, but I don't think it could begin to compare to the breakfast that Jesus had prepared for the disciples that day. Wonderful things can happen over a meal. Great conversation. Here's the point. One of the things that Jesus does for us, for people who feel like we're disconnected, he, he provides hospitality for us. He brings us around the table. But after the meal, Jesus and Peter are going to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And here is how the conversation went. In John, the Gospel, chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome as a martyr of the faith. Perhaps the very same day as the Apostle Paul was beheaded. Ah, Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, talking about John, the one who had leaned over Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, will you betray me? Who will betray you? Peter asked, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, in this story, you find the full circle. You find the way in which Jesus brings Peter to full restitution. He first takes him back to the place of remorse. Just as Peter denied knowing him three times, now Peter gets to say, I love you three times. Jesus is not being malicious in bringing Peter to that point. It's just that Jesus knows that, friends, for us to receive healing, we have at times to go back to the place of pain. We can't stuff our pain. We can't bury our pain. We cannot dull our pain through any form of narcotics. We face our pain. And in the midst of that pain, Jesus is restoring Simon Peter and allowing Peter to clean out the closet completely to let it all go and to make a resolve that he loves him and that was in the past. That's over and done with now. Now we go forward. We move forward. This is now, Peter, who you are and what you will do. You follow me. And every indication is that Simon Peter faithfully did that the rest of his life. And just as Jesus uniquely, one-on-one, individually, restores so many different people in the Bible, he will have that same kind of conversation. He wants to have that same kind of relationship with all of us. And that, friends, you and I need to have other people in our life to hear us, to clean out the closet with us, to come clean about something, a trusted friend, a mature believer, a confidant, who will act as a go-between, a priest for us, 
Does not the Scripture teach even us Protestants that we are a priest to each other? And you, so you see, we as the Protestant movement of 500 years left something behind that our Catholic friends and our Anglican friends and our Episcopalian friends practice, and that's the sacrament of reconciliation. Now, I'm not advocating that we do this or that we formalize this as a new sacrament in the United Methodist Church. I don't have that power anyway. But I want to talk to you about the practice of it. And I want to suggest to you that this is something that we can do for one another. You may want to write the notes down in your message notes blanks in your bulletin. But the the sacrament of reconciliation kind of has five different phases to it. So if you and I were sitting together and you were wanting to talk to me or I'm, I'm a pastor, a trusted friend, we would start with silence because silence is a place to center ourselves. Silence is a place where we are quiet before God. Silence, just breathing in God's grace, centering our spirits. And then when the confessor is ready, when the person is ready to say something, you speak, confessor, and you say what it is that is on your heart and your spirit. You talk about what it is that you cannot let go. It may be an unforgiving spirit towards someone else, or it may be you just cannot stop shooting on yourself and shaming on yourself, and you cannot ever come to the point of feeling like you're really, truly forgiven. You just come clean. You clean out the closet completely. And then after you do that, I, or the person receiving your words, would speak words of assurance to you about God's willingness to forgive. 1 John 1.9 comes to mind that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Or that Jesus did not come to the world to condemn us, but to save us. We just kind of bask and bathe in the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And then we have a dialogue. We have conversation. We talk about, this is what I heard you say. Is there anything else? There may or may not be. There may be a story to tell. But it's, it's really a way of recognizing that we're all in the common need of grace. Maybe there's some restitution that needs to happen. The question might be, have you done everything necessary in making restitution for your actions toward this person? In other words, have you done what is necessary to repair the relationship? Not just said you're sorry, but do something, some action. And this is where the Catholics practice penance 
and we Protestants don't understand penance. We think the Catholics do penance to earn forgiveness. Not true at all. The Catholics do penance so that the person who is receiving forgiveness can get to the point where they ready themselves and are able to receive it, as well as to do some action that helps them to release the burden of their guilt. Jesus was calling Peter to penance. If you really love me, Peter, feed my sheep. But in the midst of all this, then, there's the absolution. There's the words of absolution. There's the words that say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. Or I would just pray a prayer of forgiveness. Now, do we have to go through somebody else to receive forgiveness? No. But do we oftentimes have to have a brother or a sister or a pastor speak words of forgiveness over us to convince us that we are really free? Yes. And the Episcopalians, they, they, they answer the question, who, sh- who, should re- oh, who should receive this? They say, in terms of the, of the sacrament of reconciliation, all may. In other words, everyone may do this. None must. You don't have to, but some should. Who are those that should? Well, those that just can't let it go. If you just can't let it go, there's something about naming it before somebody else that helps you to let it go. So last uh, Friday, I was down at the monastery. I go down there occasionally, uh, sometimes to pray. This time I went to really read and write and do some work. But when I got down there, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I noticed that they offer the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And I heard myself saying, before I even realized it, may I receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation? And so one of the monks met with me, and we talked. And I confessed to the monk uh, about the hard feelings that I have held in my heart for six or seven years towards someone. Now, this person lives out of Springfield, so it's not any of you, okay? Don't worry about it. (sighs) But for six or seven years, I've held in my spirit how this person treated other persons. And then what I noticed was that that spirit that I held against that person was like a magnet that attracted more things. And I, all I could see in this person was the bad stuff that he or she was about. To the point that when this person did something against other members of my family, including myself, it really stuck in my craw. And so I just said to this brother, this is what's going on in my spirit. He received the confession, and then he told some stories. He told a story, it was a very lame story, I heard it many times before, about this priest who takes this family on a walk to bless their house, a mother and two sons. One son's 13 years of age. He's tall and lengthy. The other son is six years of age, and he's husky. Heard this story many times, knew what was coming. 
and he says, uh, the husky boy at six is tired. And so the, the, the 13-year-old brother picks him up on his shoulders and carries him the rest of the way. And it's obviously quite a load. And the priest says to the 13-year-old, he must be really heavy. And the brother says, no, he's not heavy. He's my brother. Heard it many times. But God did something in my heart that moment when I heard that story. You and I have heard the stories of Jesus, many of us, time and time and time again. Are you open to God doing a new work in your heart even today? Or any time God chooses through an old familiar story? What I realized was I was to bring this person into my heart. What I realized was that this person was not to be seen as a burden. And then I asked the priest for absolution. I wanted to hear the words of forgiveness spoken over me. And he said, well, you know, in our tradition we do penance. I thought, oh boy, here we go. Here's your penance. And he gives me my penance. He says, you are to go into the church and you are to pray before the Lord blessings into this person's life. Speak words of blessing and health, whatever it is. Just goodness into this person's life. And your second act of penance is simply to write down and recognize all their good qualities seen the bad so long. Look at the good qualities in their life. And so, I did. And I don't know for sure the full extent of the work as the priest pronounces forgiveness over me. I'll see the person in a few weeks, so I may know then. But I know my heart and my spirit is much lighter. And I know my actions or my attitude toward one person affects my attitude and my action towards all. And that all of us carry around with us burdens and attitudes and spirits regrets that God wants to cut us free from. How free do you really want to be? One of my favorite movies is The Mission. Robert De Niro stars as the Spanish slave trader. Jeremy Irons is a Jesuit priest. It's 1750s. It's in war-torn, politically turmoil, South America. And I want to let you watch this brief clip from the movie of how De Niro's character, after being so brutal to the natives, killing the natives, before the priest, um, says there's no penance. There's no penance that I could possibly do to find release. Let's watch.
I love that scene on many levels and that uh, you know, we need each other to, to, to work our way in our struggle in receiving uh, the forgiveness of others. Uh, we need others to help us to really cut us free. Cut us free. So this morning, uh, I want to invite you to do something that perhaps you've never done before. It's a very simple ritual we're going through, but in our closing time of worship as we sing some familiar hymns to us, we, we want to go through a time of corporate confession, recognizing that all of us need uh, the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to make a corporate confession. The prayer of confession will appear on the screen. We'll read it together. And then following that time, there's going to be a time of silent confession. And that's your opportunity, my opportunity to just bring before the Lord whatever it is that we're carrying in our heart that we want to be free of. And then I'll speak words of pardon over us, and you'll speak words of pardon over me. And then uh, Pastor Jim and I will stand at these uh, pitchers of water, and we're going to invite you to come forward uh, down the middle side aisles just like you do during Holy Communion. And we'll pour water over your hands. You just place your hands over the basin. And we'll say the words over you that Jesus said to the disciples. You are clean. You are clean. And it's a way in which we remind ourselves as a community of faith and as individuals. We can receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God. We can let this go, and we are free to live this new life. Will you stand with me for the prayer of confession? Let us join together. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore to us the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
please make your silent confession before God. Hear these words of pardon. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.